Good evening, dear listener, and uh, welcome to the Spooktober edition of, I've just made that up, can you tell? The Spooktober edition of Weekend at Crombies, um, and for your listening pleasure, this evening we will be discussing the horrific practical magic. Good morrow, fellow uh, Weekend at Crombie's listener. Um, and this is volume three, episode 10. The, where does the time go? Episode 10. Oh, of, of volume three. I know we're really into volume four, aren't we? If I can count. Um, if we get that far. If we get that far, yes, that's true. So uh, for, 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 this, for this... I mean as a species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, we're not <laughs> going to fall out. 2021 is a very optimistic dream right now. <laughs> It is. But, you know, things can only get better, can't they? Indeed, maybe, as, they maybe, as they said in 1997, and, uh, and they did briefly until they didn't. <laughs> maybe we do need that little bit of practical magic in our lives. Who can tell? Oh, nice um, segue. <laughs> we, we will find out. We will find out. So um, my name is uh, Dr. James Evans Esquire. Can love really travel back in time and heal a broken heart, Hugh? Was it our joined hands that finally lifted Maria's curse? I'd like to think so. But there are some things I know for certain. Always throw spilt salt over your left shoulder. Keep rosemary by your garden gate. Plant lavender for luck and fall in love whenever you can. Wise words. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am Hugh. Uh, the nudity is entirely optional, as you will remember. <laughs> Very good. So um, we had, we had um, a switch up uh for this year so uh it, it was normally um me doing the the halloween and christmas editions of um weekend at crombies and, and hugh was doing the january the santa, yeah the, off-month, <laughs> the january santa claus movie uh months um and so rather than having to sit through watching a festive film in the month of january we decided that we would switch it around so hugh, hugh now does the um the, the 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 hot months as it were the, the good months and i get the fallow periods in between so um halloween to, to ha- celebrate my first halloween yes, episode indeed. the scariest film i could countenance was practical magic <laughs> let's just say practical magic is is not uh, a, a documentary about um witches through the ages and a, a, a kind of practical um help guide self-help guide into casting spells no it's 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 a lot you kind of deny it's a halloween film it is very much a halloween film even even ends on halloween in fact they're all dressed up as witches uh spoiler alert it ends on halloween with them dressed as witches it is yeah exactly but you you know with a film that stars sandra bullock and nicole kidman and stockard channing it's probably not going to be too heavy but that doesn't matter we're not here for heavy are we we're here for debate and conversation no let's not say you've just named three (laughs) oscar winners there there you are. Has Chatting won an Oscar? I, if she hasn't, it's a crime. I'm sure she must have done. <laughs> You're just saying things now, aren't you? <laughs> well, you've named two and almost certainly possibly a third Oscar winners there. In fact, it's Nicole Kidman or Sandra, they must have more than one each between them. Well, Nicole Kidman has one. Just the one? Yeah, and I think Sandra Bullock has one. Just well, the she one? She definitely has one. I don't know. I'm going to have a look. Meryl Streep, we need just to say. Oh, we need Meryl Streep in this. That'll change the average. 
That'll raise the average by about six, won't it? Yeah, Sandra Bullock has one. And um, Nicole Kidman has one for the hours as well. Let's not be sniff is one more than you are. Oh, well, to see ever. I don't know. I don't have one at the moment. It's unlikely I'm going to get one. Stockard Channing has been nominated for an Oscar. Ah, there we go. I'm glad we established that. So shall we get into the story of Practical Magic? <laughs> Let's do it. Right, so this is a tale about uh, the Owens family, or at least the uh, the, the female line of the Owens family, um, and we are we leap in immediately to an awful lot of backstory. Um, in that, back in the we're set in New England, obviously, because that's where all the witches in America are. Um, and way back in Pilgrim times, uh, was it uh, Great Aunt was it Sally Sally Owens? Yes, Sally uh, Owens. That's right. Yeah, Great Aunt Maria. There is a Sally, but um, that, that's that's Sandra Bullock. Great Aunt Maria was the, the the original witch of the Owens family, and she was you know grounded. And she also um, again, in addition to being practicing witchcraft, she she took many lovers amongst the men. So all the women got jealous and tried to hang her. So she's about to be hanged when all of a sudden the rope breaks and she lands gracefully to the floor. Which I will say doesn't seem that magical because everyone's terrified <laughs> when this happened. Yeah. Everyone like goes, oh my god, she's a witch, run for it, and she's left on her own. She's, like, well, she just world. landed on her feet. It's just that the way the music, I'm getting right into it already, the way the music built it up, you, she, she's, you know, she's, she's got the rope around her neck, all the yeah. villagers are gathered around their pilgrim hats and staring at the witch, and she steps off the, the gallows, and, you know, the, the, and the music swells, and you, I swear, I mean, you thought she was going to turn to a bird, and that the rope would be hanging, and she fly away, something where the rope breaks, and if I was, you know, of the hanging ilk, I'd just go, well, let's get another rope, that was a faulty rope. Yeah. <laughs> I, immediately think that the, the power of the supernatural had taken over and broken the rope but these are simpler times and they do so this is where um maria <laughs> is simpler times we expected to believe this it's a film from 1997 <laughs> well maybe not simpler times perhaps the pilgrim times but... <laughs> well, you know, there's one actress whose name we forgot to mention so we've got sandra bullock nicole kidman stockard diane, and diane yeah and she has won two oscars oh <laughs> so between the four of them then yeah, but I like the fact that the person we didn't mention is the one that won the most Oscars. She won Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Bullets Over Broadway, which is a great film. Oh, I love that film. And Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Hannah and Her Sisters. I see. Was she so Hannah or her sisters? Was she one of the sisters? I think she was one of the sisters. She's that also been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, nominated for an Oscar for Parenthood as well. So, she, you know, she's acting royalty. Oh, I like that. She was also in uh, The Lost Boys, which is also a Halloween yes. movie I could have picked. Okay. <laughs> that would have been we scary get, in this one. We get, oh, yeah. The, the length of this podcast might be scary, so we better go on with that. Notwithstanding. So, uh, having a great, great aunt. Uh, they, they refer to her as great aunt, even though she must have been a grandmother because all the progeny came from them. But never mind. They're, they're basically everyone's an aunt. Um, so, the great aunt is then banished to this lovely house in New England where she... Lovely where, where, she, where, where she, she's pregnant so she gives birth to her I assume daughter who then takes a lover and has birth I like to the daughter. word progeny I know <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so basically a long line of witches um, are, are birthed um, all the way to the <laughs> age <laughs> not, not in one go you know, they, they, all, they all grow up and have their own babies <laughs> Yeah. But uh, the curse, because because Maria was shunned, because she she was pregnant at the time of her banishment and was waiting for her lover to come along and, and rescue her. He never came, so she cursed that any Owens woman who loved a man, um, basically the man would would have his his days were numbered. As soon as he can <laughs> spend any time with her, you'd when hear they the fall in love, isn't it? When they genuinely yeah. fall in love, the man will die. Some some, some horrible accident. Um, we'll come to the kind of accidents involved but so that's the curse and we then jump ahead to the semi-modern age kind of the 60s where a uh, a uh, one of the witches who's i think probably let's say i think it's vagina owens vagina owens either way mummy owens <laughs> a oh yeah it's me. yes yeah 
So Mummy Owens, who is the the mother to Sally and Gillian, who are going to be played by Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman, respectively, but they're just young actors now. Uh, Regina Owens, yes, that's right. She she basically has a nice man. Um, the man dies in some random way, and the mother also dies of a broken heart because that happens. Uh, so then these the two young girls, these now orphans, are taken to this great big house in England where they are adopted by Aunt Fanny and Aunt Bridget, um, who are the who is Stockard Channing and Diane Weist, who are basically um, two quite mumsy witches <laughs> they're ever so nice um, um they, they, they do dabble in the dark arts um in a, in a pleasant way so there's no evilness to it but they will you know they'll gutter ferret to, to read its entrails if they need to yeah yeah they will the, uh, the diane beast character is called aunt bridget jet owens which i don't think is described in any way in the film as to why she's called that but she is no she's um she's weird <laughs> uh, and and they again it's it's rather surprising they were the family of three because they were they're the sisters obviously of the of the now dead Regina because normally this seems to come in pairs these there's always two of these witches who are sisters yeah. one of them is dark haired one of them is fair haired one of them is quite assertive one of them is quite um, nice and that's yeah. exactly how it pans out with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman so uh, as they grow up uh, being tutored by these two witches they obviously learn the craft themselves and uh, Nicole Kidman. Um, is, is is wild and fiery and always with a, a lover of every week even though the first time we see them themselves they're really trying to play teenagers um yeah but yeah I, I mentioned this to um to emma my wife and, and said are they what what how old are they i couldn't work out how old they were supposed to be because and it was like well they're dressed like they're teenagers but they look like they're in their mid-30s this bitch is you know, a good reason for that <laughs> so yes yeah, so the cold kid is as soon as we see her she's basically climbing down the balcony to run away with her latest lover and sada bullock is in an enormous flannel dressing gown to show that she's the dowdy one <laughs> Yeah. So and, and that's it. So that's I mean this this plot is rattling through. We're basically getting all this story um with with no or rather we're getting all this information with not much story. It's just happening. Um, it is. It's quite a lot going on, isn't it? Have, have you uh, did you mention did you mention the the, the spell that 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 Sally Owens okay. cast? Oh yes. Yeah, so no. Yeah. So um the uh what, what so as these as we see these two young children before they become their lead actresses, mm-hmm. we do a few things. Firstly, the entire village or town hates them still for being witches. The young children will taunt them and throw rocks at them, and they're going to you know be ostracised still um, because that's you know a cast down from the the, the bygone ages. Right. Also, yeah. I don't, well, <laughs> <laughs> persecute, persecute that, which is different, of course. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And then um, we also learned that yeah, any Owens woman who loves a man the man will die and uh jillian who's also goes by the name of Jellybean, um can't wait for this to happen she she can't wait to fall in love because she's excited and, and and wild um but poor sally who is more thoughtful <clears throat> um resolves that she will never fall in love and she's got a foolproof plan how to stop this from falling in love mm-hmm. she casts a spell um that she will fall in love with and she makes up lots of random details about someone that couldn't possibly be true um, flipping a flipping pancakes which i don't know about you isn't that hard I think if I was going to think of someone who was impossible, I'd, I'd be able to think of some much more things, like he's got three heads or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, can exist in two two spaces at the same time. Yeah. But nonetheless, she she um she wishes a man with one green eye, one blue eye, sure, who can yeah. flip pancakes, can ride a horse backwards, and his favourite shape is a star. So such a man surely never <laughs> surely can't exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but no, not with Cersei. She, so that's sorted. The, the spell is cast, and then we jump ahead to when they're grown-ups, or at least teenage grown-ups. Um, and Gillian, Gillian has clearly grown very wild and can't wait to get out of town. So she kind of scales down the balcony to run off with her um, her latest lover. Um, but she promises Sally that they'll, you know, they'll she'll be back. They'll be together. They'll always be together. And they do the whole kind of cut their hands and press the press the wound against each other to say we'll be sisters forever. La la la. I've never, I've never really, I've never really got that. Why would anyone do that? Even if I really, really, really was really close to someone, just, I mean, I don't know, just say that you'll stay close together. Don't cut your hand and then share blood. Yeah. (laughs) Utterly horrible, especially if you're like, I don't know, like 15. Well, my dad would have absolutely killed me if I'd done that. (laughs) So is that a genuine risk that you'd have to slice your palm and uh, press it against your best friend's hand? It happens all the time in Hollywood films, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? It's a this trope. Isn't that just witchcraft, though? There's a point to it. Oh, they're not, you're not just being yeah. sentimental. They're, they're, you know, they are they are casting the blood magic. They are. Um, yeah. All right. So time passes. Um, Sandra Bullock um, again is still being, I say, portrayed as dowdy. She says Sandra Bullock, but uh, I mean, this is the irony. The irony that Sandra Bullock is playing someone who's dowdy is <laughs> is a stretch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she says she, she's basically mulling around after with it behind her two aunts, you know, getting shunned by everybody. Um, in town um, until uh, I forget the name, but he's, he's some gentleman. Michael. 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 It's a lovely Michael who's wheeling a barrel of fish around. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the orchestral score just changes because it starts off as this. I'll come to the music later on, but it starts off, you know, they're just plinky plonking around the town. And then it turns into this country and western song of love when he passes by. And it's like, oh, this is meant to be. Um, but um, I, 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 I tend to put a bit of Garth Brooks on when I'm feeling a bit lustful. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> but, um, but nonetheless, Sally you know, walks by and goes back to her potted plants the, of the lonely, the lonely woman. But uh, unbeknownst to her, the two aunts have cast a love spell and it basically flicks on at the stroke of midday. Um, and then Simon Bullock is next seen sprinting down the town highway, accompanied by some dogs for no particular reason. <laughs> but whilst this, while this, this love song is playing very loudly, and she leaps into the arms of Michael, um, and they kiss, and then we just jump ahead to the fact that they've been married for three years and have uh, two little daughters. I think this is this is this is a point of um, reckless irresponsibility um, by the aunts to cast a love spell on a man um, so that he falls in love with Sally. And that then she, as a uh, consequence, falls in love with him, knowing that any man that falls in love and any any person that that, that they fall in love with will die. Yeah. They're, why I think would they, you do that? I mean, they assume that she won't fall in love with him, but yeah, I, don't, they're, they're, I don't know why they assume yeah, they're, that. Their caveat was it was just a bit of fun. Uh, it's a bit of fun <laughs> to a marriage with two children. Um, yeah, and then a murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and obviously we, we so we get all this information very quickly because uh, Sally is writing letters to Gillian who is basically living the high life um, partying at the poolside of drug dealers pools and this, this kind of stuff and, and jumping from a new man to another um, uh, Gillian has, is still writing back saying that she is currently in love with uh, Jimmy Angel Love who is uh, played by Gordon <laughs> on the nose <laughs> that, is, that is as on the nose so that is as on the nose as the film Angel Heart which I don't know if you've seen starring Robert De Niro as a character who is called Louis Cipher who you find out later in the film is actually Lucifer and I don't know whether it's supposed to be a twist or not because it's so obvious that you think was that the twist <laughs> because I thought that the moment he said it <laughs> Oh, I'm, Luc- I'm Lucifer. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
spoiler alerts for Angel Hat. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, if you <laughs> listen to we can promise you know that there's spoilers in this. I have not seen that. I've seen uh, Almost an Angel with Paul Hogan, though. Where he... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll keep that to myself. Nonetheless, uh, you, you've now given me a long run up at attempting the name. Uh, Jimmy Angel Love, played by Goran Vinicinich. Um, who is, Very good. That's pretty good. Who is I mean, I'm no expert on Serbian names, but that sounded I'll good. Call him Goran from now on. <laughs> yeah, um, Croatian, I think. Oh, Croatian. Sorry. Yes, of course. Quite an important distinction at this time in the nineties. <laughs> Ah, yeah, that's very really um, true. So yeah, so he is. Uh, so he's he's basically this wild-eyed. He's Bulgarian. He's playing a Bulgarian, so he's just crossed the border. But he is basically a. They call him a vampire so, cowboy. Let, that's, let me just correct you there, Hugh. He's playing someone from Transylvania <laughs> oh, in so. Bulgaria, which is wrong. He was not in Bulgaria. <laughs> Transylvania is in Romania. Yeah. And yet, this Goran Viznijic, who's a Croatian, is a who's a Croatian playing uh, a Transylvanian from Bulgaria. So there we go. I think what we need to know about him is he wears dark glasses. He uh, he drinks a lot and he looks through the curtains of his eyes whilst smoking. He's a he's a bad lad. He is. I can imagine. I know. You know. Fair fair play to Nikol Goodman. Yeah, and basically Goran is, is playing him in quite well actually in terms of this 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 nasty piece of work. Um, yeah, he he is a nasty piece of work. Yeah, not yet. So notwithstanding, so this is happening. But meanwhile, uh, poor Sally, um, hears the TikTok of the Death Watch Beetle, which is the death toll of any man who loves an Owen sister. And sure enough, Michael is nearly murdered by Peloton. Um, <laughs> there, there is there is there is some there is some dramatic music coming in. We know he's going to die because we've heard the Beetle. Um, and Sally is for some reason tearing up the floorboards, thinking if she can kill the Beetle, that will stop it. I don't think she understands how curses work because uh, you don't <laughs> you don't shoot the messenger. But Paul Michael's in the middle of the road, and all of a sudden, a million bicycles zoom right past him. <laughs> and he, luckily, by by standing very still and holding his breath, he is missed by a hair's breadth of every single bicycle. And just as he was thinking, I nearly got run over, then a van hits him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the end the of van, my... In fairness, though, the van comes out of nowhere. A moment, a, moment, <laughs> a moment beforehand, the, the the street that he's standing on is empty for miles in both directions <laughs> but i suppose that's a curse for you isn't it that's the curse again yeah. uh maybe the van was trying to overtake the bikes you know it's like interesting like just overtake the bike for the i'll get some speed up but poor michael's done it and then poor sally enters what we can describe as a fugue state or a depression uh whereby um Sandra bullock just goes under the bed and has the sheets over her head um well, her, her two daughters, Kylie and Antonia, who have basically grown up to be um, duplicates of, uh, of Sally and Gillian, because one is redhead and fiery and one is brunette and, and quite um, demure. The, and interestingly, the redhead one is played by a very, very young Evan Rachel Wood. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So must must have been one of her first starring roles, I would have thought. Oh, yes. And actually, she has more to do than her younger sister. She actually has the, the, the bits when a child needs to talk. It's normally her, she gets to say them. Yeah. Um, but so uh, yeah, Sally's depressed, and uh, and in comes uh, Gillian from her travels to to rescue her. She basically, you know, tells her to buck her ideas up and and pull herself together and and, and puts life back into her into herself. Um, and that, and if we say we haven't got to the plot yet, we're we're the, can, you, can you believe it? This is still backstory. And I'll tell you what, we don't get to the meat and potatoes of this until twenty eight minutes into the film. So all this basically sets up where we are. And where we are is once Julian's gone back on her travels and Sally's settled into a new life as a mother and um, a, a widow mother living with the two aunts. Um, what what then happens is. Gillian calls Sally in the middle of the night saying, you know, I, I'm I'm in desperately. Jimmy's gone off the rails. I need you to come and get me. I'm really scared. 
So the aunts take the two daughters off to their uh, their um, annual coven, um, while Sally gets in a car and drives to rescue Gillian. Um, and this is actually where the plot begins. So yeah. uh, so Gillian is basically um, Jimmy Angel Love has gone off the rails. He's gone on a, a three week bender, and um, he's now he's he's hit Gillian. So she's had enough. She's leaving him. Um, so they're trying to get away, but Gillian, of course, has to go back for her magical pendant in uh, Jimmy's car. And who should be lurking in the back seat like a, a, the Transylvanian vampire cowboy he is? <laughs> Jimmy Angel Love. Yeah, and you you may you may be wondering why Jimmy Angel Love isn't already dead. Because obviously him and um, Gillian Owens, Jellybean, has been shacked up. It's because they're not married and she doesn't really love him. I know, but who could? Yeah, also, also, I thought it mention the fact she's been routinely drugging him with. Uh, like, oh yeah, with, with, sleep, with like a sleep it? tablet. Yeah, it's um, like rohypnol for witches. <laughs> Basically, he's, yeah, he's he's so oversexed, just keep on drugging him to keep his level down a bit to give us a, <laughs> to give herself a bit of a bit of rest. But well, the, 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 those Bulgarian Transylvanians are known for that. Their virility. Um, <laughs> so now, so there's, now Jimmy has, has not only captured Gillian, he's captured Sally too. So he's in the backseat with Gillian, um, getting drunker and and more more out of control while Sally's having to drive the car so they're in a bit of a state and they, they use their witch telepathy to formulate a plan which is basically put all the uh, the dandelion and burdock powder into his beer and make sure he gets the full wax so sally does this um and jimmy drinks all his beer um they just managed to stop him from branding uh jillian but uh with his by heating up his ring but uh, he's, he's clearly a nasty piece of work and then just as they think the plan hasn't worked clonk he's dead um mm. So this puts him in a bit of a pickle because they were able to knock him out and get out of there, but they've now murdered him. Yeah, and, I mean, you're describing this in, in, in quite light tones, but it, yeah. it, it, it is a tonal shift in the film, isn't it? Oh, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's very seriously played. Yeah, I guess it's even more serious than the, the, the death by Peloton. It was, um, yeah, it is, yeah. Because yeah. it goes from, because again, the, the tinkly music around you, the, the witch curses come in and the, the beat and everything, and now you go from a very real non-supernatural threat in the form of yeah. Ginny it, actually yeah, kidnapping that, two young yeah. and vulnerable women trying to brand one of them um with it with his red hot ring and yeah. and th- clearly threatening violence to the other two um and it all it gets goes, a bit yeah. it goes it gets a bit serious it goes from it goes from being like a hallmark christmas movie about witches to yeah yeah or like because that's, 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 that's the pickle they're in now because literally um sally is saying i don't want to lose my kids and you realize yeah. well this is a very real threat because they've they've now they've, you know at least uh, manslaughtered jimmy they, they was you know premeditated they gave him the drugs and the and the, the beer you know their lives were in danger but they go through all this routine of like oh my god no one will believe you know it was him or us um and this kind of stuff uh so they they hit upon the solution of magic saying well um you can bring people back from the dead and the reason they've not done this before, say, with Michael is the thing that comes back from the dead um, will come back, you know, as something dark and unnatural. Uh, as which Julian goes, well, Jimmy's already those things. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so don't uh, care yeah. he comes back. So uh, basically the plan is uh, this resurrect Jimmy and then they kind of yeah. murder him. Uh, so they kind of, you know, they, they drag him into the house and they do the voodoo on him. Um, and he, and he jumps up and he is pretty dark and natural because he immediately tries to strangle Jillian. At which yes. point Sally seems to forget the plan that they need Jimmy alive and bludgeons him to death with a frying pan for the second time <laughs> so, uh, so he's dead again and they stick him in the garden um so they, all... they bury him. It's, it's an extraordinary piece of um heavy lifting and and hard labor that they manage and you know i i know this because i've recently um tried to dig up a a, a, a planting bed in my oh, own garden. it took me all day and i was absolutely I'm, shattered I'm... at the end of it yeah, I'm with you. The, the the digging of a grave is not how it looks in the movies. Because yeah, I've actually dug up a few, you know, 
overturned a small you patch. You dug of up earth. a few bodies. You dug up a few bodies in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've turned over maybe a couple of inches of earth, and it's a strain. Like, I can't oh, dig six feet under. I, I doubt. And not only that, put a body in, fill it up, and then the next thing is the grass has grown over it again. I presumed that was a paranormal grass. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got some turf on it as well. All in the middle of a, 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 a rain a rain shower in the middle of the night. Yeah, so much effort is spent to bury him. Um, mm. At which point life continues as normal. Uh, so they get uh, drunk, don't they? No, we come, we come to that. Firstly, um, I've got to mention the uh, the mother's meeting first because this is uh, where uh, Sally is a, is a small businesswoman selling basically herbal things. Um, but she uh, again, she has two daughters. She has to go to the local PTA, and she's very nervous. And Gillian wants to know why, and she learns that it is phone tree day, which is I don't, yeah, I don't understand that phone tree. I've never heard of phone tree day before. What's this? No, no, right. Well, it, clearly it's something that could only have existed in the 90s and earlier because it's, it's pre-internet oh, um, yeah. or pre-WhatsApp, whatever. It's basically we, um, if there is a information that must be disseminated quickly, one person is the top of the tree and will call two people who will call two people who will call two people and so on. Yeah. I don't know why this has to keep changing. Um, no. It, but but it's, it's the arrangement in the PTA. Apparently this is the height of, of the stature to be at the top of the phone tree. Um, God, I hate that. Imagine being at the top. The I don't want to have to call all these people. What are you doing? You call two. Because That's you're enough. <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather be at the bottom of the tree. Than yeah, the just, I just want to be told. <laughs> Nonetheless, so um, so Gillian, again, invites herself to the PGA meeting to the shocked awe of, of all the mothers, which I didn't quite get because presumably she's not been there since she was 18 and much time has passed um, I mean, it's quite a long memory to think oh my goodness it's Gillian's back but um, Gillian does literally dance around the PTA going look at me I'm back woohoo <laughs> and, then, and then uses her magic to change all the phone tree um, bits of paper to say that Sally is top of the phone tree so victory um, and, yeah. and then it, following this uh, there is a, an elongated scene where the two aunts have returned and mixed up late night margaritas for um, them and their two nieces to have a, a big drunken party which and if you want to talk about tonal shifts for that it begins with basically yeah, the four actresses <laughs> dancing around drinking margaritas and yeah. and if you thought Jimmy Angel though, was on the nose the entire musical routine is played out to put the lime in the coconut yes it is having a drink whoop de doop de doop <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, uh, apparently, um, they were. It was a. They were really drunk in those scenes as well. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. According to according to Hollywood legend. I see. Well, again, it's uh, it's it's well played. Um, it is. It again, is. Talk about tonal shifts. Um, that that also shifts from here's a nice you know um, here's a nice scene with just four women having a good time and drinking and exchanging interest, and then it gets a bit it gets quite dark. Yeah, because they start throwing insults at each yeah, other. Yeah, that's get a bit like they've been possessed because they're really biting yeah. and insulting each other. And then they realise that the, the drink they're drinking is like Jimmy's brand of tequila, um, mm-hmm. at which the two aunts can only drunkenly sing, someone left it on the porch. <laughs> at yeah. which point everyone immediately sobers up. <laughs> and then they <laughs> have a talk about what's going on here, which they, they um, I don't think they, they confess to, but the aunts smell a rat and decide to um, to teach the girls to fend for themselves. They take off on another holiday um, so that they will not be around. So the, the senior witches aren't there for when trouble happens. I mean, uh, it's rich of them, isn't it? Given that they're the ones that cast a spell on poor Michael. I know. Oh, you know what? All things have gone a bit wrong for you. We're bogging off now. I know. But also, it's quite nice that they, they have the hand wave of, well, we're not abandoning the little girls because they put some kind of protective charm around them. So it's yeah. like, there's a, they're safe. You two aren't. Good luck. Yeah. Also, I don't know about you, Hugh, but if I found a bottle of tequila on my front porch, I would not drink it. 
No, no, I don't. No way. No way. A nice bottle of wine, maybe. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone wishing to do James Harm knows it. <laughs> no, <it's... laughs> I'm not even sure I'd drink a bottle of milk on the front door if the milk were no. left. It. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Yeah, just, I mean, maybe the 90s were a simpler time, wouldn't they? Yeah, you just drink tequila if you found it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like porn in the bushes, isn't it? <laughs> it's like the, the best thing that's ever happened. Well, hey! You don't need to now, but it's like, yeah, if you, you, you that's the rule, isn't it? You have to drink tequila if you find it. Yeah, it's a simple time. <laughs> but uh, none I, of... I'm sorry, I apologise to our listener. I went off on one there and a um, little insight into what life was like for James Evans in the early to mid 90s. I approve of the, the, the veracity of you using listener in the single tense there. <laughs> <laughs> but notwithstanding, um, it all goes down uh, when, well, not only they, they sense something's up with Jimmy Angelove, because I think roses are growing very fast around the place they buried him. Oh, they one, of the, one of the younger daughters is saying things like, I saw the strange man in the garden. So something, <laughs> <laughs> so, something is even more up when, uh, when investigator Gary Hallett, played by Aidan Quinn, rocks up. <laughs> Tucson, Arizona. Harry Hallett. Harry Hallett. Aiden Quinn. That's that. That marks it as the nineties. Oh yeah, I know. What is he? He's not been in anything that has even touched box office for it's at least a decade. Millennium. Yeah, I think the Millennium Bug is career <laughs> hat. Yeah, but he, uh, he he he's an investigator. He's uh he's got a he's got a proper he's uh he's he's skewing the Arizona accent. Um, I, I found it very hard to understand what he was saying at all times during this film. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he carries his his, uh, his gold star of authority but his belt and he's investigating uh, the disappearance of Jimmy Angel Love which isn't hard to do because Jimmy Angel Love's car was parked outside the Owens family house <laughs> so they're, they're protestations that Jimmy who Jimmy Jimmy yes. he's a car oh that Jimmy <laughs> <laughs> oh you mean Jimmy Angelov yeah. oh yes <laughs> so really um so yeah, the fact that Julian's prepared to brazen this out, Sally is somehow incapable of lying to uh, Carrie. This, this is a new thing as well, isn't it? We don't know this before this particular scene that she can't lie. No, so um, so she, well, she can't lie to him. Um, she she feels compelled to tell the truth. So you get quite a lot of rather suspicious things, like um, uh, where's Jermaine's love? Well, he's not in the house. <laughs> Did you kill Jermaine's love? Yeah, I killed him a couple of times. <laughs> It's like if I was any kind of investigator, I'd think, "Oh my God, she's killed Jimmy Angelov and he's buried in the garden." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but but poor Gary's not too quick in the update, partly because he um he has a copy of Sally's letter to Julian, which clearly was found in in Jimmy's possessions back in Tucson. Um, that is very well thumbed. It's, a, it's this letter has been read and reread many many times, which is in itself is a bit odd, um, given it's basically yeah. just a letter from one sister to another with no corroborating evidence about what Jimmy is. Um, it's a disciplinary action against him, isn't it? Basically, that's what it is. Yeah. So he, he through the medium of of a well read letter, he has fallen for Sally, even though he quite clearly suspects she has very rightly killed Jimmy. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is which, which I, I suppose makes me understand a bit more when um, women marry men on death row. You know, it happens, doesn't it? it does happen? Yeah. How does that connect? <laughs> well, he's fallen in love with. A murderer. Oh, that's true. That is true, yes. Although I don't think everyone death looks like Sandra Bullock. <laughs> no, maybe not. 
but uh, notwithstanding, um, we should have mentioned that, uh, of course, Gary, being from uh, from Tucson, can ride a horse backwards in well, anyway, um, and of course has has um, hexachromatic eyes, one green, one blue, and indeed can flip a pancake. And wouldn't you believe it? His favourite shape is his badge, which is of course a star. Oh yeah. Oh. You know what? I've just realised that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the weird thing is, it, he 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 proves that he can flip a pancake yes. because. Because in another very strange scene, he's invited for breakfast at the house. For a, it, an, he, an, inf- an informal interview about a murder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he takes up the offer of breakfast and then proceeds to ingratiate himself into the children's uh, good books. Um, and they're about to poison him. Yes. Um, okay, yeah, because about, Nicole Kidman has mixed up a, 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 a pancake syrup memory loss brew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They decide, no, actually, you know what? We really like Gary. Yes. We don't want you to drink this. So they run off with the with the potion of throwing. Yeah, the two daughters snatch the the, the 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 jug of syrup away from him, saying, "You mustn't drink that and fling yeah. it to the sea." Gary yeah, is yeah. a little bit on his guard at this. Yeah, exactly. Although, yeah, they didn't stop him from basically rolling his sleeves up and making several thousand cactus-shaped pancakes <laughs> in the house of someone he's in, he's investigating for murder. <laughs> I know. Yeah, oh, it's ridiculous. In fairness, he's not investigating because he wants to avenge Jimmy. He's investigating because Jimmy has murdered another daughter and the, that family has investigated him to uh, to see where Jimmy went to. So in fairness, he's, uh, you know, we know that Jimmy, you know, certainly deserved to die in many ways over. And, you know, he's not completely after Sally. He just wants the answers. Um, yeah. But yes, <laughs> that's where he is. Uh, from that. So, um, oh, yeah, I think his suspicions are finally confirmed as if they weren't already when a nearby toad coughs up Jimmy's ring. Yeah. <laughs> And the goalkeeper goes, "Oh yeah, I lost that." <laughs> but um, but so that so while while he back, he says, "You better get a lawyer." Um, Sally then feels she must confess all to Jimmy, um, not to Jimmy, just to, to Gary. Um, and they don't get very far when they're basically uh, in his in his hotel room kissing madly, um, <laughs> because he really, he admits he's fallen in love with her through the letter and. And etc. Um, at which point she spots he has uh, one green eye, one blue eye, and runs out of there, um, knowing, of course, that this is the man she, she wished into being. Um, poor Gary thinks that she's been disgusted by it. She goes, I was born with it. <laughs> Something repellent in him has been so put off. Yeah. I have to imagine that poor Gary has his entire life been shunned by potential suitors because of his eyes. And he's like, oh, no, not again. Gary, when are you going to learn? Get some content. <laughs> Yeah, we're, 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 we're uh, coloured contact lenses available in the in the mid to late nineties. Oh, maybe she just got an eye patch and pretend to be a pirate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, just, being put off by the eyes. Just gouge his eye out. <laughs> what colour was it? It wasn't green. <laughs> it certainly wasn't green. That's where I lost my perfectly matching blue eye. <laughs> Notwithstanding. Um, we get we get now to uh, the the supernatural part where the uh, Jimmy Angel love has come back as a oh, ghost. Now we get to the supernatural part and has possessed Jillian. So um, Jillian yeah. is doing the full. Um, it was uh, a bit exorcist, uh, didn't it? I would say she's doing the full. Yeah, on the bed, gurning and, and cracking and, and this kind of stuff. Um, you can see on the buses then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
and again, um, and Sally, and quickly followed by Gary, appear in this room. Gary, knowing nothing about ghosts, points a gun at uh, Jillian, but uh, <laughs> but then but then the ghost of Jimmy comes up because he's clearly got previous with with uh, Investigator Hallett anyway. Uh, so he's kind of like you know going boo and, and trying to rip out his heart, but he touches the star, which is because it is infused with the belief in authority that that Gary has is 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 harmful to Jimmy. Um, so he disappears. Is that what it was? Yeah, that was her because um, Sally, when she was talking about belief, as in, you know, she used to talk about magic and she was saying, well, magic's what you believe, curse mm-hmm. is what you believe. She goes, well, look at your, your badge. It's a star. It means nothing, but you believe it has power, so it has power. And um, and so that's, that is what happens. So uh, Jimmy touches Gary's star and burns himself and then vanishes away, poof. Well, I'll tell you what, your description of the synopsis is genuinely informative. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get any of that. I just thought... Well, why can't he just rip his heart out? <laughs> Do you know this where he pulls his hand away and a star-shaped burn on the palm of his hand? Yeah, yeah. Two... I, I, I saw that and thought, well, that's weird. Why has it done that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be a challenging film next time. <laughs> but, um, so what, while, while Gary wanders off to think what the hell's going on, um, the, the, the two sisters think of a plan, to, or at least Sally thinks of a plan, because actually the answers have come back now. Um, just when they're needed, thinking, oh, this is actually quite serious. Our, our, our niece is, is hideously possessed. So, um, yeah, so Gillian is now repossessed by by Jimmy and in a terrible state. So they, they realise they have to exorcise her. But to exorcise, they need a coven. They need uh, they need a number of women who can help them. Um, do you have anyone to call? Whereupon, the phone tree. <laughs> <laughs> now, up until this point, every single woman in the, in the, in the town has bullied, harassed, um, you know, hate crimes against the Owens sisters. But the power of the phone tree, you can't. Yeah, all, all of a sudden, they're more than willing. They're more than, more than willing to take part in an exorcism. I know, I know, um, and it's, it's, it's so weird. It's, it's, it's weird in a couple of. I mean, firstly, I I liked the attempt to have a call back to the phone tree, as in like a, a yeah. piece of yeah. a piece, of, a piece yeah. of social status that that shows us uh, Sally is kind of trying to fit in the town and etc. And then, oh, you need a coven. I've got the phone tree. Yeah. There's nothing. They, if, if I've learned anything about you, Hugh, during weekend at Columbus, you love a bit of foreshadowing, don't you? Love a bit of foreshadowing. I mean, sadly, it's let down by the fact that it, they needed like nine other women, so that's nine phone calls. <laughs> It's not yeah. a great labour-saving device to use the phone tree. <laughs> it isn't, is it? Um, and, and, yeah, so that could have been done whether she was top of the phone tree or not. And so, and you're right, they, they all come in and all say, oh, secretly, I always wanted to know what was in your house and I always wanted to be a witch and et cetera. So they all, all her arch enemies turn up with brooms. Um, and fair enough, they, they play their part um, in exercising. It's a, you know, it all gets a bit heavy when, you know, they think that Nicole, that, uh, Nicole Kidman is going to be killed by Jimmy, but, you know, um, Sally leaps into the ring herself and uses the power of her sister's love and they cut their hands again, la la la, and she she banishes Jimmy and he turns to dust, at which point, and this is this is an exorcism scene, like, it's the full kind of like, ah, you will not, and he's like, oh, yes, I will, <laughs> yeah. I love you, and you will die, and this kind of stuff. It's proper, it's like... Not, yeah, it's proper, isn't it? It's, it? It goes heavy. It goes heavy, as in, like, uh, Nicole Kim is giving it the full kind of, you know, I am possessed and I will, you know, Jimmy will kill Gillian to get, boy, he'll yeah. give her up. She's, she's gone full Linda Blair. Yeah, and at which point, once Jimmy Avril turns to dust, the music tone suddenly shifts. One of the cover <laughs> gives a sassy little thing like, let's clean house. And all of them are just sweeping Jimmy out. La, 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 la. And it turns into the most lighthearted little, la, 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 la. we are sweeping the floor because we're a cover. La, la, la. <laughs> they just, they sweep him into the garden, pour on some witch's brew that will kill him forever. Um, and that's that done. So yeah, so um, Inspector Gary Hallett from, 
does the report that Jimmy was died accidentally, so that's that taken care of. But then he goes back to Tucson and is never heard from again until he turns up, I don't know, a year later. Um, everyone, yeah. Everyone's all settled and everyone's living nicely together and just says, I don't believe in curses. And they, I think they kiss and possibly the camera spins around. There might be a country and western song playing. Um, probably isn't. Probably. And then we have a, and then they all get dressed as witches at Halloween. And the whole town has come out now because the, the witches mm. have been redeemed. And I think possibly... I'm, I'm informed this happened um, by someone who's watched this more times than I have, but I think the curse was also broken at the same time that, as in Auntie Maria's ancient curse of, on the men was broken at the same time that the um, that Sally and Gillian exercised Jimmy, because there was lots of flashbacks to that. Um, oh, I didn't, I didn't get no, that. No, I, I missed that too. I was like, oh, it's implied. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because when, when the two sisters banished, there's lots of flashbacks to when they were young, and then for some reason, Auntie Maria pops up as well. So I assume that means... They can now live freely. Well, that's convenient. <laughs> they can love freely. <laughs> I mean, that's a very different film, but um, it, it, it's convenient because I, I did end the film thinking, yeah, but Gary's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said he didn't believe in curses, so maybe that's again the um, the reason all the other men died because they they were they lived in the town and believed the witches had evil powers. So uh, you know, um, Inspector Hallett from uh, Tucson with his uh, cactus pancakes and his magic star clearly <laughs> is, is mute to the curse of the Death Watch Beetle. Yes, no, I suppose that's fair enough, isn't and it? Well, we it. don't they, know, do we? Yeah, and, and that is the story. That is practical magic. It ended on that little uh, little speech you gave at the beginning when there, there's a little bit of magic in all of us. Um, ah, there is, there is. And and there we go. That is the, that is a conclusion. We've got to the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have. I mean, you know, it, the, there was a lot of plot in the well. There's there's almost no plot in the first half an hour. Yeah. But there, it, this, it it requires a bit of explaining because you can't just jump straight into the plot because it doesn't make any sense. Well, interestingly, with that, I'll come to that in the analysis because I have some thoughts on that. But that's for the analysis. So uh, indeed, take indeed. a cup of tea or your witch's brew of choice and we will join us for some look at it. Welcome back, dear listener. Uh, you will have been regaled um, about the story of practical magic Um all its highs and lows. Uh, this is the part of the podcast where we get into the nitty gritty of the film and start to think about some of the themes and tropes and the analysis of what it means, both to Hugh and myself. Now, as this was Hugh's film choice for this particular podcast, it's beholden of me to ask Hugh, why did you choose this film? I mean that genuinely. Why did you choose this? <laughs> Not why did you choose this film? Uh, and um, kind of lead us into a little bit of the, the the themes that you've identified. So to start with, why practical magic, Hugh? Right. Firstly, it, it was Halloween, and that's about as scary as I can manage. <laughs> it did, despite despite having watched the people under the stairs this very year. Yes. Well, again, I, I'm not saying I managed that particularly well. <laughs> it was almost like don't think because i don't have the halloween month i'm not going to choose a horror film <laughs> <laughs> uh so um so thematic was reason why but the reason why i chose this particular film was it's actually um uh, a guilty pleasure of of mrs morgan's uh, mm. she she was uh one of the, the her go-to movies when she was younger so kind of a, it got integrated into our DVD collection that I never really watched. Um, so I don't think I saw it when it came out. So I think it's maybe my second viewing of it. Um, I watched it initially and then um, saw it again for this podcast. So I was interested in revisiting it with kind of a, a clinical eye um, mm. rather than an indulgent one. I also, again, just uh, from what I remembered of it, I had enough to talk about and it had quite an impressive cast. I mean, it's mm. um, especially the two leads. I'd say 
Nicole Kidman was approaching probably the peak of her career. Sandra Bullock was at least ten years off you know, the high, the most successful part of her career. So it was a lot, still a lot of kind of um, potential in there in terms of where they're beginning. And again, you have kind of two veterans in Stockard Channing and Diane Weist. So it was, um, it was I thought it was a nice mix to look at and just to see how it all came together. So it was uh, basically thematic and uh, again, it's, uh, nice to watch from I can uh, again watch with the good lady. Yeah, and you're right when you say you've got two. You've got two icons of Hollywood. Um, well, you've, you've actually probably got four icons of yeah. Hollywood, I suppose. But but I'm thinking of Sandra Bullock and, and um, Nicole Kidman in in terms of at a point at a cusp. I mean, Sandra Bullock had done Speed, I suppose, which was obviously incredibly successful. But that was her kind of kickoff point, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but you know, she was uh, she was still to do Miss Congeniality. She was still to do the Blind Side. Um, the Blind Side, yeah, and the Proposal and, and, and stuff like that. Nicole Kidman was was to go on to to kind of you know win awards and and, and um, very obviously two very successful actresses. And, and this was at a point a kind of a juncture for them, I suppose, really late nineties, both on their way up. Both able to command lead lead um, actor positions within the film as well, so it's a very interesting film in that context as well. It's certainly it's it's a it's a time capsule of a film in that regard as well. I think. Um, so I, I'm interested when you said that you you've you you never really watched it, or you watched and this was the second time you watched it, so you obviously did watch it. I would imagine you watched it because in in the courting period that you had with with your 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 good lady uh, wife, um, it's the kind of film that you think. I've just got to watch this, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you the reasons why. Firstly, um, I, I personally had to just got to watch it because it was in my house in a DVD, and and mm. that that's that's a bell that hasn't been rung. I can't have something that I've not seen. That's okay, so, uh, right, right. hence I've seen every single Thomas the Tank Engine movie we own because you know, yeah. it's, it's a movie and it's got to be seen. So that was why I had to watch it. But in fact, it's interesting you talk about it, it was during the courtship period, but it was kind of like. I guess the equivalent of a mixtape because we both like our movies and it was kind of like yeah. here are the movies that I like and here are the movies that you like and so let's you know let's 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 exchange let's call the whole thing off let's call the whole thing yes because a courtship with you probably wouldn't last very long after you'd unleashed your psychological horror movies on me. Yeah. well this is why Emma and I uh, do well together because Emma is a fan of psychological horror so there you go I mean uh, weirdly we met <laughs> so there we are <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, look, I know, I know, I know, I know how that I is. And it, see that because this is a podcast, but actually, I uh, I bent my elbow and drove it forward in the in the traditional <laughs> action. <laughs> good, very good. Um, you know, uh, wives have to put up with uh, the the male films, and men have to put up, and, and husbands have to put up with the female films. That's what it is, isn't it? Really, it's, it's, how, it's how it works. Um, I guess my so, other, yeah, my, my other um, my other motivation was actually to address the balance because there has been a bit of a sausage year this year in Weekend at Crombie, so it's nice to to level out with a movie that basically has very few male leads um that weren't yeah, that's, again it's a good point expatriates or yeah. even even gi jane uh she's the most male female character i think that we've we've had a weekend <laughs> on this <laughs> um but i mean i i i i feel i feel um slightly at odds there because what i what i've effectively done is say that you know husbands have to put up with films and wives have to put up with films and, and that is actually um presuming that, that, that this film isn't uh, good or, or doesn't have kind of virtues in and of itself uh, and I'm, I'm not saying it, 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 it i'm not saying that at all so it'd be interesting to hear having having decided to watch the film having watched it for the second time with a more kind of diligent eye perhaps this time yeah, what are your yeah. kind of thoughts about the film um, so well, i'll, 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 I'll 
I'll begin at the end actually because it relates to the point that you said about again um, the fact that it, putting up with films. I mean, I again I discussed I watched it again with uh, Louise and we discussed it, um, and she admitted it was kind of a guilty pleasure film. Is she doesn't you know consider it to be the apex of Hollywood, but it's still a guilty pleasure film. And mm. very often, if it's a film I didn't enjoy, not saying I didn't enjoy this, but I, you know I didn't immediately click with this in the way that she has in terms of this is a guilty pleasure film because you know i would have also you know films like a sort of guilty pleasure that i wouldn't regard as being good they're just you know good for me mm. um and i did find that some of the things had to be explained to me that they were good uh for example like the uh the the, the margarita scene where they're all dancing around with the uh, lime and the coconut and getting drunk and everything and she's saying yeah that's kind of like you know um, a girl's the girl's 19 you'd have you'd have mm. the drinks you'd have the dancing la, 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 and it's quite fun to see you know for the actresses have fun like that and i was like this what Oh, come on then just come on get to the bit where the ghost appears because <laughs> I because yeah normally sometimes and therein therein defines a millennia of evolution I <laughs> <laughs> wasn't interested in the social niceties I wanted to get to the the, the, the bit with the scare with the uh, the action happens but it was um it was interesting because it was it was something that I could see other people found value in but had difficulty in in in, in linking with myself um, which again, which also is why I chose to pick it because it's a film I knew others thought highly of, so I wanted to, to kind of look in that window. Um, and it's fair to say that the film does have a uh, following as well. Um, it was it was not, I, one that I wasn't aware of. I have to admit before before watching the film, but but having obviously done a bit of research around it, it, it cult status is probably too strong a word, but it certainly has a, a, a strong positive following from 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 people. Yeah, and in fact, it's quite refreshing. I know there is there is yeah. love stories in there, but I mean, Aidan yeah, Grill yeah. is practically thrown in there, and Jimmy Angel Love is is just to be the the antagonist. It's mostly about the relationship between a lot of women. Um, you know, it's it's this Stockard Chang and Diane Weistis, Nicole Kidman and um, and uh, Sandra Bullock. It's the, them with the aunts, it's them with the children, and it's again, yeah. there's there was many many um relationships that really the men could be quite lifted out of the, the film and not change it that much, other than having a murder yeah. victim involved. So that 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 is something different and refreshing in such a mainstream film anyway um but to actually get on the the analysis of it uh this is getting no surprise to how, how i approach this i found it a very linear tale um mm. we've mentioned you you start off with the backstory and you start off with, you know, with the, the origin story that then goes into the origin story of all witches that then goes to the origin yeah. story of sally and jillian and then how she gets how sally gets her children and how sally loses her husband and how jillian goes off the rails and how then they come back mm. and then how you know we said half an hour into the film we get the actual plot of it and it, being set in the 90s, it almost felt quite Forrest Gumpy in that you get an awful lot of, of, of backstory uh, <laughs> yeah. of how they start off as children. They grow up and they grow up even more and they and they have yeah. the actors play young and they've got to play their age and this kind of stuff. And it felt like, well, this is a lot um, and yeah. you've really got to hang in there. And I, don't know if, I think it did come from a book, which, again, novels can only get away with that kind of stuff. But if I was to take my red pen to this, I would I would wonder would it be more interesting if it begins with basically Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock dragging Jimmy Angel up into the house? Mm. And then you, know, you have that, you're probably wondering how I got here. Well, I'm a mm. witch. And then you go into <laughs> possibly phrase better yeah. than that. I'll have a Do you know what I mean? But you start yeah. the media phase of this is weird and why are they dragging a body and, and covering him in witch's goo? And then you go back to, oh, and here's some backstory and here's some backstory and here's some backstory. And it. I think it might have been a bit more engaging and you'd be locked in immediately thinking these are two very interesting characters doing something very interesting and I want to find out more. Whereas here it was, yeah. here is a story yeah. that you're going to get engaged with because I'm telling you you're going to get engaged with it. And here are two characters that haven't done anything interesting yet, but you're going to find them interesting. 
And it, it, I, w- it, I wonder. I wonder whether um, what, what you've described there is is the the, the counterpoint to the um, the the reason why your wife likes the film, um, or one of the reasons why your wife likes the film in in, in the context that the, the 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 scene when they're getting drunk and they're having a girls' night in is part of the joy of that connection. Whereas if it's if it starts in a knowing way, yeah. which is is a, a specific pop, plot point. And then what we're going to do is describe how these two characters got to this plot point. It becomes less about the characterization and the connection of those two characters and much more about the plot. Yes. Yeah. And, and so it becomes, and so therefore it doesn't, I'm not saying that it doesn't appeal to your wife as a consequence of that, yeah. but um, there's a, there's a, it changes, it changes what the film's about. The film then in, in your version of the film it becomes a, a crime caper almost, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, whereas in, in, in the way that the film is presented at the moment, it's uh, it's a film about friendship, family, companionship that just so happens to be about witches. Yeah, well, that's interesting in terms of um, the, the film we're presented with because, again, I, I, it is something I try and stop myself from is from judging it by the film I wish it could have been rather than the film. Yeah, it is, and we all do that, don't we? Yeah. We all do that, yeah. But notwithstanding, I wonder what from i'm being presented with because my understanding mm. of the background of this was um it was a lot darker and there's a director's cut that is a much darker film um mm. so and, and you see elements in there you said there's tonal shifts um yeah. and i think that that might be evidence of that and not only that apparently the test audiences reacted very badly to the musical score uh, which was originally composed by michael nyman and very, it was replaced very famous, by very famous composer brilliant composer yeah fact. yeah um, and was replaced by Alan, Alan Silvestri, who again has massive Hollywood pedigree, yeah, yeah. but is much lighter in tone. And that's actually when, in the recaps where I made the point of after the exorcism scene, which is very intense, it suddenly switches to a light la 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 um, yeah. moment when all the women are sweeping Jimmy into the ground, and it feels like it, you know, they could have just poofed him with a with a joke rather than yeah. an actual heartrending scene. And I'm and it's, it's just, yeah, you're right. It's the same thing when um, it's the same thing when they. Uh, when they are trying to resurrect Jimmy as well, um, and the, um, I mean, it's, it's 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 in principle a very horrific scene. It's, it's, they're about to stick pins in the guy's eyes, yeah. um, and, and uh, so I think Sandra Bullock sprays um, whipping cream on his chest to make, oh, yes. you know, to, to make the point at which we have to they have to um, I stab it in, or I can't remember what they have to do with it, but. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they, make like, they, they make a pentagram on his chest and they use uh, whipped cream and she takes a bite and like, oh, this tastes nice. Yeah, <laughs> it completely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there is, it, it, it shifts at, 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 one, at one moment from, I think I've described it as a hallmark Christmas film about witches yeah. that you might get, you know, um, to, to The Exorcist, uh, to a true crime film, which is quite violent, to uh, a farce comedy, you know, it, 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 all of those things are kind of in the melting pot in it, and you, it, you're not, you're never quite grounded. Yeah, and again, even even the second dispatching of Jimmy, um, which is done while he's trying to strangle um, Gillian, yeah, which is, literally yeah. is strangling Gillian. Um, Sandra Bullock dispatched him with a very large frying pan, and it, you know, it, it's it's a bludgeoning death, and it is serious and this kind of stuff. But yeah. it is a very large frying pan. <laughs> yeah, it's Reeves and Morton that start, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> which again, it, so it's it's it's. Yeah, it's it's totally strange, and I wonder what was what what the director's cut, which probably doesn't exist anymore, would have been like, and would it have been better actually? Because you know, this has clearly resonated with an audience as a as a warm yeah. tale of, yeah. of of sisterly affection, and maybe a horror movie, you know, would just be another horror movie about you know a, a zombie coming back and coming to get them. So, um, who it knows is, where to go? If 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 
if this director's cut, you said, doesn't exist anymore, if it does, if it does emerge somewhere, I would like to know what the thinking was behind a film that was much darker, much more sinister, that also starred Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Because I can't, I, I, again, I can't square the two together necessarily. I'm not saying that Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock can't play dark, yeah. but I just think at that particular point in the late '90s, the point of the point of casting yeah. two mega, or at the point you know, at which becoming mega Hollywood stars, is to create. You know, you, it's not about darkness, is it? You're not yeah. you're not casting them for darkness. You're casting them because you want to connect with those characters because yeah. they they are you know, Sandra Bullock is who you want to be. Yeah. Nicole Kidman is who you want to be. It's that. I think if I get my dates right, this would be post to die for Nicole Kidman. So she had that the dark yeah. before. Yeah. But you're you're right, Sandra Bullock certainly. Sandra Bullock was was kind of on track to be America's sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, which again, I'll come actually to the, my thoughts in terms of the casting. Is um, again, it's obviously a very strong cut. I did feel that Stockard, Chang, and Diane Weiss were very underused. They're very good, but they're underused. And when they are used, they are good, though. I will say that. Yes. But you're right. I wanted to see more of them in the film. Yeah, they were a lot of fun, and they were clearly having a lot of fun doing it as well. Because um, there was other things too. Like again, there's a we would initially see there their brand of witchcraft when a, a distressed woman knocks on the door um, yeah. and then they, they basically take her money and they, they cut, they cast their spell. And basically the woman is weeping saying, I, I want him to only love me. And, and this, like, I, want want him to, I want him to be desperate to love me. Yeah. And but I, I was convinced that like the next scene would be, um, he's this, this, this man has murdered the woman because he was, his yeah. so and you felt that's where it was going, but it wasn't, it was yeah. just to show that they did household magic for people on the door. Yeah, um, it was it had that, like that, like dark tone. They're saying there's always a price, but it was like no, that's the thing they do. Yeah, but that uh, that is the case. But then there is a contradiction in that as well, isn't there? Because they they are at, at one point saying, you know, what yeah, don't don't resurrect yes. such and such because you're messing you're messing there. But they're quite happy to have um, they're quite happy to cast spells on the doorstep as you were to make to make. Um, uh, someone desperately loved the person. That, you know, th- yeah. th- there's two things going on there. It, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but there's it, there doesn't seem to be a lot of difference between what it is that they think is acceptable and what they don't think is acceptable. Yeah, yeah. They draw a line that resurrecting the dead, but they would make uh, <laughs> Sally basically fall in love with a man, have his children, yeah. and then he'd yeah. die. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Because yeah, even, exactly. if, even exactly. if that was a mistake, surely at some point between the relationship, the engagement, the children, the wedding, they could have reversed the spell because that, that's a long time to commit to. Well, that was a bit of fun for Sally, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I know. I did find that. That wasn't the birth of her second child. And they thought maybe this has gone a bit yeah. too far. <laughs> and I thought, I thought Sally took that knowledge remarkably well. I mean, she was a bit, she was a bit annoyed. She disavows magic. That's the thing. She, just, she never goes back to the craft until well, she doesn't, though, does it? Until she needs to resurrect the dead. Just, just, the, the idea is she's sworn off it. Um, but you're quite, you're quite right. There, there's some comments about she, she, she turns against, she turns her back, and, and Sally is portrayed to be the most gifted of the daughters, um, of, of the sisters. Uh, but she turns yeah, magic until she doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. Being news because again, the, the aunts dip in and out again. They, they go off to the. Um, to the, the coven with the daughters and they go off to teach them a lesson they, they zip in and out as needed and it is a shame that there's not more is not made of them because in the drinking scene you almost get the point where they're, they're working or they're arguing as a foursome and and stuff could happen but then they yeah they, they just lift out the plot to make it a bit more dramatic so yeah yeah i, I agree you, you 
I've got some kind of thoughts on that, but I was interested in what you were saying earlier about the um, the soundtrack. So you've 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 touched upon the soundtrack and and the the um, the Sylvester soundtrack as being much lighter than the Michael Nyman one. I, 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 I don't you know who who knows if the Michael Nyman one would be would be more apt or not. Um, but there, I think there was something interesting about the film, and I, I remarked on this when I was watching it um, to Emma um, that it, there there is an original soundtrack, there is a composition in it. But it's also populated with a lot of um, kind of late '90s popular music, um, or, or at least adaptations or reinterpretations of certain popular music as well, which I found quite interesting because you had that balance of an original soundtrack, soundtrack and, yeah. and and existing music as well. And the music was very uh, the music was very on on the nose. Very I felt. Nose, yes. Yeah, and the prime example is is as you've described the, the sweeping up of, of of Jimmy's ashes at, at the end of the film. Yeah. But that that's almost the the extreme version. It, all through the film, there was, and this is exactly how you should be feeling at this point in time. Yeah. This lyric describes how Sally Owens is feeling at this particular point in time as well. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, every time a sound bullet kisses someone, there's a, there's this big country love song that swings in yeah. out of nowhere, and you realise, well, this is the love of her life she's kissing. Um, and it doesn't give you any ambiguity. It's like this is it. She's falling in love. She's having kids. It's over. And like, and and again, it's partly the the epic nature of going from childhood to you know, to, to mature adulthood, where they've got to fit in a lot of information in a short space of time. You know, um, Sally can't just date around. She has to meet the guy she's going to marry, and that's to tell you that it's that guy right away. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it, uh, so I had a few thoughts about the film as well, and yeah. um, p- partly. I think this is me trying to interpret, and I may have put a wrong interpretation on this. I don't know, but this is partly me trying trying to interpret why I why I think there are such significant and sweeping tonal changes in the film. And I, I don't think it's wholly unsuccessful necessarily. So you know, don't don't get me wrong. I don't think it's wholly unsuccessful in that context. But I, I do think it's they are clearly they are clearly decisions that have been made in the film to have that tonal shift. So. I suppose the first thing to say is um, that the way I read the film was that it's it's it, there's, there's a world in which the women in this film um, are in threat of male violence. Okay, now, now I, I don't want to read too much into that in the sense that it's it's quite a, a light and fluffy plot. But at the same time, there is there is a re- there is a real threat in the film, and it's Jimmy Angelov, yeah. and he is a violent threat, both physically and mentally. Um, and and so it, it, the world and the fact that they're witches kind of doesn't really matter too much. It's a world in which they inhabit, and that and that the women in this world have suffered from men's violence or the threat of further violence um, by men in the future as well. And and and. In that context, the film presents this in a kind of pseudo magical way. So yeah, there are witches; they cast spells, um, they get rid of the bad guy, as it were. But but they haven't really got rid of the bad guy. You know, the bad guy is still there. The, the kind of the, the the archetypal violent male is still there. Yeah. They might have got rid of him in in the context of the physicality of it, but he's still there. He's still threatening, and that male persona exists in their world. In the society that they live in, in the experiences that they have, um, so I don't know. I feel like this might be a bit of an allegory for how women experience the world in that context as well. So um, whether whether men real or or existential, they, they they are a threat. 
And this is why this is why the tonal shifts in the film, I, I thought, might have been more deliberate than perhaps or, or, or somewhat deliberate, I guess, in terms of trying to express some of that process. So you've got a situation where they get drunk um, with with the aunts, and it's a really it's a really positive, vibrant experience. But it's tinged with the fact that they're drinking tequila from uh, the, the violent man, as it were. So there's yeah. always that threat there. Um, well, it's interesting, again, that the, 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 the positive, vibrant experience of the drinking turns sour quickly. Yeah. They, they, they get very drunk and then they start spitting out things as if they're possessed, insulting each other in, in probably yeah. a way that men would do to each other, but women wouldn't in a very, very attacking way. And they kind of yeah. hold their mouths going, oh, why did I say that? I don't know why I said that. The idea yeah. that Jimmy has infused them and is attacking them verbally through them. Yeah, or, or, or maybe how men make them feel. Mm. Uh, maybe how men men make them feel in the context of the interactions that they have with them. So it's not something that I can ever really articulate, as you can probably you know gather from the way that I'm trying to you know not make myself look like a bit of a fool here. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's not real to those individual characters. It's not. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not real to to, to women who exist in that kind of world, as it were, yeah. to exist in that kind of environment. And I think as a consequence of that, it's done in quite an engaging way. Um, so the, the exorcism scene at the end is another example of that in, in, in the context that you have you have a, a group of women who are su- a support network yeah. for two, two women who have been abused or are being abused or are vulnerable. And they succeed in, in, in exorcising the violent, the mythical violent man in that. Um, but there is there is there is still that uncertainty around that process. Um what I think is quite clever about it, if I've read it right, or if, if, if I feel that I've read it right, is that it does all of that. It presents quite quite an interesting perspective in a film which is very time-capsuled in the late 90s with lush hair, extravagant interior design. I mean, the house is absolutely incredible. Um, a picture postcard setting, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those Cabot Cove type, um, beautiful coastal Victorian um, towns that, that you get in, in, in American films sometimes. Usually Stephen King novels actually has to be said. It's, it's, it's that New England thing of, of lost and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, I, want, I immediately want to go and live there. It's like full of pearl necklaces, pot puree. It's, it's that kind of like pottery barn type look, you know, from <laughs> Friends. It's that, it's that image of it. It's that aesthetic. Um, and to be honest, that's no mean feat. That's no mean feat to balance what what might be a, 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 an experience that those women are feeling within the framework of a fluffy, engaging, uplifting, heartwarming, um, female-centric oriented film. Um, and as a consequence of that, I can't I can't say, you know, if I'm honest, I can't say that it connected with me hugely. I don't have I, you know, I don't have the the language of um, late '90s films that might be marketed towards um, or mass marketed towards a certain demographic. You know, I, I, I've not seen Practical Magic before. I haven't really heard too much about it. I've not seen films that are like it either. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the target audience. I'm not the market for this film necessarily. But I think in the context of what it was presented, it, it did it okay. You know, um, it, it, it was fine. Actually, I think it was quite clever the way that it, it, it married some of those things. Yeah together yeah i see where you're going with that and I, I i saw the same thing and i did like where it was going but here's where i felt it missed a step was um it 
all that makes sense in terms of the main characters. They're being persecuted by Jimmy and they exercise him um, and then they, they force him out. But why the, A, the friends would leap to their defence and B, would bond so intimately yeah. with them and why the, the, the banishing of Jimmy felt so triumphant. I didn't feel I didn't feel the film had earned that, and I thought they could have done it easily. Say, um, again, Jimmy comes back as a ghost. If he came back as a more three dimensional ordinary ghost, you see what I mean, someone who could pose as human, <laughs> and had yeah. just spent a few days in the town being obnoxious, harassing, um, you know, Sally and Gillian, and basically the women around the town had just seen him as a bad boyfriend or a, a nasty man who was <clears throat> was picking on them, and then when they get the call saying can you help us out? We got to get rid of him. And they'll go, yeah, I know the type. I will, I will do that. That would have felt a bit more. And then you know, through that, they bond with the sisters and then they have friends in the end. But here it felt a bit more like the phone tree had done all the work. And I, 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 I mean, I completely, I completely agree with you, Hugh, yeah. but I suppose the, my, my point on that would be, um, my, my point with that would be maybe, maybe they don't need, maybe they don't need to see that to know true he he's a bad guy because uh, you know yeah. maybe we need maybe we yeah. need that hook for that guy to be observably bad yeah. whereas the women in the film know that there is the archetypal man out there that does this yeah in fact they were the first when they were gathering someone there was like a, a someone mentioned the background i had a bad boyfriend once and couldn't get rid mm. of him so they, they, that mm. it's there maybe yeah maybe i i should, they needed to hit me over the head with it with a large frying pan <laughs> and to, get, to get the message to yeah. get the message too because i didn't i didn't get the subtext of that but again it's no, not, no, because for it well, because what I want, what, what I, I suppose, what I want in 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 a, in a film would be um, a, a, a more a more interesting um, chronological structure to the film, as you've described earlier. I, I you know, I, I, I'd be more interested in, I'd be more interested, I suppose, in in the dead guy. You know, what, what's going on there, really? Do you know what I mean? But, but that's, that's true, not, actually. That's yeah, not it's, the point. yeah, but yeah, I can see now. Yeah, a, a zombie angel love finding his way around and. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. you, I'd, I'd have you know, I'd have healed Mister Green Eyes, Blue Eyes overboard for for more angel of nastiness because um, he was he was certainly the more magnetic of the uh, the, the uh, male leads there. But I actually I've gone to the, the female leads yeah, yeah, I've touched on the supporting characters. Yes. Um, the, the the one thing that really struck out me was this: there's this scene when um, uh, Nicole Kidman, Sally, is talking to uh, actually Evan Rachel Wood. Um, uh, and it's basically uh, she sees she suddenly sees herself in this young girl when the girl goes I can't wait to fall in love and uh, yeah. Sally basically cautions saying you know if you fall in love uh, you might lose yourself you might yeah. lose everyone around you and, and etc um, and it's quite a sweet moment it was, it was a very nicely acting moment and it did strike me that actually one of Nicole Kidman's and this is a strange ability to have is she is very good at acting opposite children um, and mm-hmm. suddenly you realise it's not something that every actor has but like Nicole Kidman whether I guess it's the others or again she yes. did it in um, The Amber Spyglass and she did it in um, Australia but normally when you stick her against a child and she can do that thing where she relates to them very well and you yeah. feel this proper connection going on there which is interestingly I didn't really get of Sandra Bullock um, acting with her, you know, her own children in the movie um, yeah. it felt actually Nicole Kidman got more from that and I think generally Nicole Kidman got to do more I mean she gets to be the wild wild um, runaway she gets to be possessed um, Sandra Bullock's job is mainly to be sad or lonely or, or trying to hold things or the responsible one so it's, mm. a, it's a less less enjoy and a less fun role I guess Um it's a less showy role, isn't it? It's less showy, and again, it it almost shows that 
where they were in their careers. Because again, Nicole Kidman's Zenith was about to hit sooner than Sandra Bullock's. Sandra Bullock yeah. was mostly playing love interests in big films like Speed, or she was playing, you know, in um, in romantic leads like While You Were yeah. Sleeping. She yeah. hadn't quite reached that. She is above the headline and, and can hold a movie. Yeah. And yeah. it was almost that. That's how they were pitched as well. But yeah, a couple of observations. In. Firstly, Nicole Kidman's peculiar strengths in, in act of acting, but also she had she had more to get her teeth into in a bigger way. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. Although, I, I suppose um, a lot of the plot, I mean, outside of the Angelov kind of process, revolves around Sandra Bullock, though, doesn't it? I mean, um, the, the 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 love story is 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 Sally Owens's love story. It's not yes. it's not Gillian's love story. It, uh, the 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 decisions that are made. So I think Sandra Bullock. I wonder whether she has more screen time in the film, and, and she might be the she, she might be. She, I think she's the main character in the film, even though even though I think the Nicole Kidman character has more to do. Yeah, I was going to say, Sally, I think you're right, Sally is seen as the protagonist, but even though she has considerably less agency, she is yes, cast yes. a spell which brings about her first husband. Mm-hmm. The husband's snatched away by the curse. She then goes into depression, has to be pulled out of it by Gillian. She then is called to save Gillian, um, and then the spell that she cast brings the other man in, so that's kind of like a spell thing too, that she because she finds herself again she can't lie to the, to the investigator gary she she you know finds herself yeah. drawn to him yeah. because of the spell and so it's all like you know she's she's not driving anything forward herself she's mostly reacting to stuff even though she's the main character maybe that's a reason why i didn't quite click with the film because it's as good as again sandra bullock is on screen and holding the attention and everything you're not really thinking yeah sally go and do this because sally's mostly just responding to stuff but i am um... But I, I I like Sandra Bullock in this. Oddly, um, it, it feels like we have a slightly different process there. So yeah. for me, of of the two of them, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think Nicole, Nicole Kidman had more of the showy role. I think she has more agency in the film. I preferred Sandra Bullock's representation of Sally Owens. I I, I connect I connected is probably the wrong word, but um, I felt more for her character than I did Nicole Kidman's character, who who was who perhaps isn't the kind of character that I would normally warm to anyway. Whereas Sandra Bullock's character, I, I thought you're right. She has, she doesn't have a huge amount of agency, but a lot of stuff happens to her. And I kind of wanted her to be all right. Which yeah, I suppose she, 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 she's infinitely more sign. sympathetic. Yeah. Because, yeah, because again, yeah. um, Nicole Kidman though, didn't quite deserve um, what happened to her, had put herself in with a bad crowd for a long time of her own volition. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Sally was literally trying to help her sister out and now was threatening to go to jail and lose her children. Um, yeah, look, I'm, so, I'm, so, not yeah. Sa- I'm not saying that Nicole Kidman deserves to be possessed or anything <laughs> like that. I mean, I'm not going that far. But I suppose just in terms of a, a certain warmth and connection, I, I think for me it was it, it was Sandra. But then I do find actually that... that um, Sandra Bullock has that appeal anyway, to be yeah. honest, in the lot, you know, almost all films that she's in, it's very rare, even if it's not a great film, she's good in it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that is uh, a good actor. She I'm is funny, a star. Think, has she ever played a bad, uh, a bad character as anyone? And because I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I can't think of anything specifically. Yeah, she's no. just honed her my knowledge. craft. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Any further observations about it? I think I've reached the end of my notes. So th- th- there were a couple of things. I mean, the, the, the film is utter hokum. I mean, yeah, no, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean that in, in both the 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 um, supernatural and the kind of description of the film itself it is utter hokum. There are there are a couple of things which re- really really emphasise how much of a, 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 a kind of um, hokum type film it is. Uh, Sandra Bullock runs, or Sally Owens runs a 
an apothecary, I suppose, to a certain extent in in um, in in this town in in the town that they live in, which looks like it sells incredibly expensive, um, you know, natural um, I don't know products for like you know. Yeah, hair growth and, and libido yeah. and all this kind of stuff that was well. actually a funny thing was when investigator gary yeah. he's, he's investigating because i never paid so much for shampoo in my whole life yeah, yeah exactly yeah and and, and it, you know it's an incredible looking shop you know it's one of those shops you go into central london and be intimidated and you'd have to walk out of and um uh, the, the irony is is that equally at the same time she is castigated and ostracized as a witch how does this business make any money because <laughs> who's shopping in that shop in that small town where literally everybody who might buy the products from that shop are terrified of her? No, that's um, easy. It's tourists. <laughs> maybe it this, is. Maybe. This, this, is, this is New England. They, it's, that, like, having holidayed in New England, it is that they they leech the tourists money, and that's exactly the kind of knickknack said by. But also, again, it's implied that only the women folk of the town hate them. It's the uh, the men folk will happily dote and buy their products. As 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 is exemplified by a guy that walks into the shop saying that that, that the product he's bought doesn't work. He he obviously wants it for um, his libido, doesn't he? And and um, Sandra Bullock is saying, well, you know, where where have you put it? Well, I've, I've put it on my head, of course. And she's Why she's like, put it on your head. And she's pointing slightly further down, and yeah. he rather embarrassingly runs out. Yeah, which shop. is quite it's a quite charming a- scene from Sandra Bullock, and it's one of the scenes actually where Investigator Gary warms to her. But it's also like, why was he putting it on his head? Like you don't rush up Viagra onto your face to try and get it to work. <laughs> I mean, the nineties were a more innocent time, I suppose. Um, and, I can uh, see what they were doing with the cute thing, but it is a weird thing if you put a cure. Yes, so I'll stick it on my head. I know. The, the, the other thing that the other thing that I, I uh, that, that made me kind of roll my eyes a little bit was um, that we've mentioned it before, but it's the breakfast meeting that. Um, <laughs> Gary Hallett has at the house of the of the the um, the, the murder suspect, I suppose, uh, and you know it's 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 really it, it's like you know it's just a date. <laughs> you just go, I can't. In what world? What is this? What's happening here? <laughs> but they bring on their special recipe syrup, and he was had the had the young children not snatched that out of his hands and thrown it away. He just drank the whole lot. I know, I know, I know. And he's there with his apron on and flipping pancakes and they've set up a nice kind of twee table outside. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, again, the, the, the big romantic scene happens. He's got his little um, cassette recorder to take Sandra Bullock's confession, which he says, I want to confess to his murder. And I'm going to take the murder. He turns it off and the next minute they're on the bed. It's and all stupid, the aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this This surely it compromises the, the, the confession. This it compromises everything. <laughs> What doesn't that compromise? I have no idea. It's like, when you took the confession, Your Honour, where were you? Well, I was smooching him. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, there were a couple of eye-rolling moments, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I suppose that's just, that's, that's the film, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Um, are, are there any films that you would recommend um, as a double bill or, or, oh. or in conjunction with the film? Um, again, the only witch rate one I can think of is The Craft, which was about the same time. Oh, yeah. Much more mm. witch-orientated, again, a slightly younger audience. Um, again, a similar, well, not, not a similar time it came out was uh, Hocus Pocus, which again is, uh, again, the coven of witches, but is is where the witches are the bad guys. Um, that's with Bette Midler and um, I want to say Carrie Bradshaw, the person who played Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City movies. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker. That's it. As, as, uh, and, someone and someone else. And someone else. 
As the I was going to say Miriam Margolis, but it can't be her. She would have killed it. Miriam Margolis would have acted those two out there. Anyway, so I'm thinking Hocus Pocus, The Craft. That's the uh, witches were quite in in the 90s, now I think about it. There's, there's, there's a lot of witchery going on. There was, there was. So I, I've, got, I've got two films. Oddly, not what, not neither of which you've mentioned. I, I would go with The Witches of Eastwick. Oh, um, yes, of course. That's much uh, better. Which, which, which I feel has a similar tonal shift to this film. I think, I think The Witches of Eastwick is darker. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a darker film, it, and it's, it's a slightly differently oriented film. But it, it does have that. It does have that. Um, it, it kind of has that male female kind of reactionary approach to it. Which yes. I think it's quite interesting. And I've not seen The Witches of Eastwick for a long time, and I might, I might. I, I might watch that again soon because I do. I do like yeah. that film. I would say it doesn't have a terms. I think the Witch of Eastwick is very well paced in terms of how it's set up, and yeah. even when you think you're having innocent adventures in the start, it's there's something sinister and it gets very it sinister. Is, yeah, and uh, brilliantly played by Veronica Cartwright um, as oh, one yes. of the actresses who who do, who doesn't trust Daryl Van Horn yeah. um, and basically suffers badly as a consequence of that. Yeah. I think I think that's really good. If, other, if, yeah, if anything, the tonal shift happens at the very end when it gets a yeah. bit too. I wouldn't yeah. call it CGI. It's not that, but it, it gets too over the top in how they defeat him. But the 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 slow build of is uh, of creepy small town badness is very good in that film. It is. It is. That film. Actually, yeah, you know, there are two other films actually, but I'm, I'm not quite sure how close they lead these links. So, um, the two other ones was Death Becomes Her, which again, an, an, an early, uh, yeah, film, yeah. which is a, which is about. It, I suppose it's kind of like a resurrection type thing, and, and, yeah. and people not being able to be good. It's not quite that's, the same. Yeah, that's, that's quite true. Talk about though. That's that's not. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, and the other one, probably the other side of that is Pet Cemetery again, which is around oh, resurrecting so. dead dead animals and 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 and, and, and pe- people and things coming back, not quite. How you would expect them to come back, if that makes sense. So again, very totally. Imagine that's somehow based in New England. It's Stephen King. It is. It is. Yeah. (laughs) It's set in New England, and it is. uh, Yeah, it's set in New England. It's about a family, a family whose child dies, and they're obviously distraught, so they resurrect uh, the child, and the child is not what the child was, if that makes sense. A very dark film. Very dark film. Totally, totally different to Practical Magic, but similar kind of themes, I suppose. Really. Yeah. There you have it then. Those are our recommendations, and uh, we're almost at the end, so join us when we'll give it its scores. Indeed we will, and yes, uh, go make a tea and come back soon. Welcome back, dear listener. It's the final part of uh, this month's Weekend at Crombies. You'll all be pleased to know you certainly will have enough to listen to over the spooky Halloween weekend um, and uh, we will now be uh, giving our scores for um, Practical Magic, our disembodied Crombie heads as befits tradition because it was Hugh's choice um, Hugh goes first. Hugh what would you give Practical Magic? Uh, it's tricky because again, we've covered quite extensively I think there's a lot of virtue that I just didn't connect with but that doesn't mean it's not a bad film that said, I think even with that covered, there's there's still a lot of disjointedness in it, and it's mostly carried on the weight of its actors rather than anything else. So I'd say, ooh, I think three out of five floating crappy heads is a fair score. Very good. I, I did like at the start you said, uh, you know, I, pr- I probably didn't connect with it uh, uh, that much, but that doesn't that doesn't mean it's not a bad film. <laughs> so it's, like, it's, it's still a bad film. Um, so anyway. <laughs> Uh, for me, uh, <laughs> there's um, it, it is a it, it is a little bit all over the place in terms of its 
kind of tonal shifts. Um, and I'm not sure I really buy the story. Um, I'm not sure I really connect with the story that much. That said, um, you know, the, the time flew by, to be honest. I think there's something to be said about something that is vaguely ridiculous, um, but but is still entertaining. And this was entertaining. Um, and so as a consequence of that, I'm also going to give it three disembodied crombie heads. A solid three, I think, from me. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so, so there we are. We 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 are. are. Yeah. You realise we are, we are synchronising our scores more and more as the, the yeah, podcasts go on. It's a, right. <laughs> our cycles are, are syncing up. A little uh, a little treat for uh, our Christmas listeners uh, when we delve into the statistics of uh, Volume Three, when we will actually identify what our scores have been and how close we have been this year. Indeed. I would say that so. twenty twenty has been our most agreeable year. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something you won't hear very often. <laughs> no, maybe yeah, maybe lockdown has made us more congenial with yes. each other. I don't Although I, I am, I am going to actually break the structure and call point of order. When we were talking about films that are similar to this one, we did miss one very obvious oh, no. one where a dead character is resurrected. And oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say no more. Oh, but who knows what that could be? How could we forget? How could we forget that? Um, However, whether yes. might, maybe the film we're doing next week, but uh, next month. So um, I wait. This is your final tilt, isn't it? This this will complete whatever pattern you've been building over the year. Yes, it will complete my um, my weekend at Crombie's cohort for 2020. Um, we've been discussing how close we are with regards to our scores this year. This may be the one that changes it. I don't know. Always the one um, breaks us. Yeah, maybe. Who, who knows? I, I've not seen the film, so I can't. I can't Ooh, say. Okay. But the film for November will be. The Great Silence. How exciting. The Great Silence. And we will reveal no more until November. I know no more about it, so that's easy for me. <laughs> but until then, um, I, I, I do hope you will all come back and listen to The Great Silence. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be blessed relief. <laughs> I think it could just be 80 minutes of nothingness. I think that'd be quite nice, actually. That'd be a treat. <laughs> I, 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 for one, would would enjoy that. <laughs> it would just be to means of a slurping tea. I think that would be. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. an ASMR video, isn't it? I'll be honest with you. I don't think I could keep quiet for eighty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd break at about you'd the eight minute that, mark. You'd get, you'd get the tension, wouldn't you? Oh, I would. It would. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't. It doesn't really work in a podcast, does it? <laughs> How long can they stay silent? Uh, you can see like me shaking and I'm sweating. I've got a stress vein going on. On the podcast, it just sounds incredibly serene. Yeah. Nonetheless, we'll look forward to that. Um, so until that time, uh, I wish you a, a very happy and a very healthy weekend at Crombies. Good evening all. Weekend at Crombies. What's wrong with that? Why is that so bad? Why why is it so bad that I would might want to go to my room and read a bloody book? <laughs> you know what? I heard that in the voice of a ten year old.